You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Coming up on this episode of the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. The more you study it, the more that God's word is on your heart and mind. You know, as it says, meditate on it day and night. You start to see it come to life. So all that just kind of comes together for me that if we're going to release the kingdom, then we need to understand this is a living word. It's alive. It can change me. And every time I I dig into it, there's something new I can learn and life I can give to somebody else. I realized when I I went on all these trips, whether it was a mission trip or vacation, and just seeing God's creation, it's awesome. Then I would come home and I would see a sunset and I'd be like, you know what? This is holy ground too. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. This is episode number 67. And this episode is brought to you by podcastgearforbeginners.com. If you're interested in starting up your own podcast, you got two steps. Number one, reach out to me. Let me know. I'd love to help steer you in the right direction. I'd love to help get you going. I'd love to empower you and champion you to make this happen. And the second step is to check out podcastgearforbeginners.com. My buddy Jason Villanueva has a website set up that makes it super simple for you to find out what you need and find whatever gear is going to work best for you. So podcastgearforbeginners.com, check it out. On this episode, we have Tyler D. Smith of Crawfordsville, Indiana. He's a youth minister. He's an NBA sports writer for the Indiana Pacers. He's a husband, father of two, and he's an author. And that's the main reason we talked today was to talk about his new book that came out last month. It's called Searching for Seven. He talks about the journey of seeking God seven days a week. So this guy has a lot of experience in youth ministry. We talk about that a lot. Why? Because I was also in youth ministry. I was also a concert promoter, just like Mr. Tyler Smith. I was also, I am a writer, just like Tyler Smith. And we're also both lifelong Cubs fans. There's something going on here. There's something going on here. I think I found my brother from another mother, Tyler D. Smith. We have a fun conversation about kingdom searching. Kingdom searching. Do you ever struggle with the things of this world? Do you struggle with focusing and fixing your attention on the things of this world? Maybe we need to learn how to do a better job of searching for God. Searching for God every day of the week. Not a bad challenge. Not a bad challenge. I'm up for it. We talk about it in this episode. We hope you guys are blessed by this. I believe you will be. We give some information on how you can find his book, Searching for Seven. I will have a link in the show notes for this, so check that out and get your copy today. Also, 
do us a favor. Will you please go rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast right now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you find and listen to amazing podcasts. Obviously, this would be there, the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. Go on to Apple, give us a rating and a review. I got some giveaways coming up that are going to be really exciting, and you're going to have to know how to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Just saying. So let's figure it out. Let's make it happen. If you have any questions, as always, you can email me at Darren at kingdombringer.com. That's D-A-R-I-N at kingdombringer.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let's start a dialogue. Here is Kingdom Searching with Tyler D. Smith. Check it out. Share it with your friends. Be blessed. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself, if you don't mind. I could, I'm going to, like, like I said, I'm going to have that bio and stuff on there, but Tyler D. Smith, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I have uh, been in ministry for, I believe the last 15 years. I was, I started when I was in college, uh, over the years, some different opportunities have come up. So I, I've stayed working with the church. Uh, but I also am an NBA sports writer. I write for the Indiana Pacers, uh, also some college basketball stuff, mainly uh, Indiana Hoosier stuff. Uh, so that's been awesome. And um, have a wife and two daughters. And uh, I'm also a coach, uh, varsity girls basketball in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And then uh, recently I wrote uh, my first book called Searching for Seven. Uh, came out uh, early June. And so a lot of things uh, going on, but I love all of it. That's awesome, man. And I definitely want to get into the book for sure uh, in this in this time together. I did a little bit of uh, Facebook stalking, okay? <laughs> and I can't – are you a Cubs fan, correct? I am. Okay, yep. I am too. So awesome. you're the second <laughs> – you're the second guest I've had on that's a big Cubs fan. So is that oh, a life? Is that stuff a, everywhere. Is that a lifelong thing or what? Lifelong, yeah. I, back back in the day when the AOL was popular, my name was Tyler the Cubby. There you go. And my my dog is named Cubby, so lifelong for sure. Favorite favorite player is who? Might be controversial, but my favorite player of all time was in fact Sammy Sosa. Okay, that's good. And that, then now, now there's, there's no controversy. I, yeah, I know he's not welcome back in Chicago. It seems like, but yeah, I'd say Rizzo and and Javi right now. Yeah, died. so I grew up a big Ryan Sandberg fan. So oh, yeah. I'm a little old school, but like 1987, 89, I was I was a young chap, and those were my boys, Andre Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Do you go to games often? Yeah, I do. I was just actually thinking today that uh, the whole you know, if we're not able to go to any games this year, at least my, my bank account will, uh, it'll show it. <laughs> it I, I, you know, I'd probably go to, you know, between six and eight games. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And every year I've made a pact every year that they make the playoffs, I'm going to at least one game. So. That's so good, man. That's a bucket list for me is going to Wrigley. Never been there. Yeah. What, um, how really? long, how long have you been doing the sports writing? I, so I was in Florida for about three and a half years doing youth ministry Right when I came back, which was 2014, it was towards the end of the 2014 season. So I've been uh, been doing it since then. 
Cool. That was kind of my, I was a sports journalism was my, my college effort. I didn't finish, but I was, uh, I'm a big Kansas state football fan. So, yeah. Uh, do you cover much of the college? You do. You said the Hoosiers, right? Yeah. Basketball, yeah. not much football stuff, yeah. but, um, it's a little further drive for me to go to, uh, Bloomington, Indiana, but I try to pick, uh, maybe you know six or eight of the big games throughout the year i mean i, I t- tweet about them all year but who do you write who do you write for a couple places uh the journal review paper in crawfordsville and then there's a website which is how i got my start which is uh sportslegends.com. very cool is that kind of a is sports a big deal for you is that like kind of a life thing for you oh yeah 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 so it's been a tough few months yeah i'll bet <laughs> I yeah. will I will say I think that uh at least for for us Christians I think we're kind of realizing that maybe we leaned on sports a little bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> I know that at times when that uh for me when I knew this was a real big deal was when March Madness got canceled. Yep. When that tournament got canceled I realized, "Oh boy, this is a big deal because there's a lot of money to yep. be made and they're still choosing to do that." So, yeah. Yep. It was an idol I think for for many of us for sure. Yeah. So, how has how has COVID affected? Obviously, it's affected the sports for sure. How has it affected ministry for you? Uh, I think you know, like most groups, we were doing the, the Zoom thing for so long. Uh, we just recently started uh, meeting back up again, and we added a service at our church to try to space out. It's hard to say with what the future holds, with you know, second wave, or even if we're out of the first wave yet. Who knows? But um, our church was lucky enough to be able to uh, do a couple projects that we've been wanting to do during that time. And, you know, we were able to get our live stream going like we wanted to. And so we saw a lot of involvement, but I think as the weeks went on, it was like, all right, when, you know, when do we get a chance to get back? But as far as, uh, you know, youth ministry, just trying to stay in touch, be creative as much as possible with the students and, you know, felt really bad for the seniors, especially, but yeah, just trying to keep, keep up with them. Do you do you have other ministry aspirations, or is is youth ministry kind of something that you've always been focused on? Yeah, I mean, it would depend. People ask me that a lot about, you know, would you want to be a, a senior minister? And I love to speak. Uh, I think maybe at some point, um, teaching pastor. I don't know about the, the whole senior pastor thing, but yeah. for now, for the foreseeable future, I still love what I do, working with students and. And, you know, I view these other things, even though they're not necessarily ministry, but, yeah, you know, ways, ways to minister as well. What's, um, what is it about youth ministry that you're so passionate about? What's some fruit that you're seeing from what you're able to do with that generation? Part of it is looking back at my own life where, you know, I was known as the Christian, the Christian guy in high school, but I was so far from, um, living out the gospel and sharing the gospel it was you know a lot of people even today treat you know well if you're a christian that means that you're you know you stay away from these bad things and that's all they look at it so i realized in college i was like i was there's so many things i could have done as a student so that was where my passion started i want to help other kids uh really live out their faith and but yeah just seeing them grow you know seeing a kid from you know little kid sixth grade not knowing what's going on to maybe when they graduate being a completely different person it's pretty cool i feel like you and i have a lot in common just hearing you talk like that because i grew up i was the goody goody i was the the 
the Christian kid. You know, I had my own uh, private vices for sure and private addictions and whatnot, but I was known as the Christian kid. And I've actually had these thoughts recently of we hear about people talking about their wasted youth and they they're referencing like the drugs and the alcohol and the sex and how they kind of threw away their, their youth. I feel like as a Christian, I had a wasted youth too. And it's kind of what you talked about, man. I feel like I missed so many opportunities to like be Jesus to people. I didn't yep. establish like, and, and solidify relationships. I was, I spent more time avoiding drinking and avoiding parties and avoiding stuff that I really didn't yep. like step into that. Do you see that a lot with, with youth, Christian youth today? Is that a struggle? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, I was asked the other day about what's the biggest struggle for teens today. I, I think the struggle has always been the same all these years, but they're, they, they handle it differently and there's different things like social, social media. media and all this stuff. Yeah. So trying to figure out your identity, who you are and, you know, wrestling with that. I'm, if I'm a Christian, some, you know, a lot of times they have even more stress and more pressure, more anxiety because, well, I'm supposed to be a certain way. And can I live this life where I'm, I'm fitting in here, but I'm also living this way here. So it's a struggle, but, um, you know, just trying to help them in that journey is what's important. What's the most important thing for you as a, as a leader of those youth, what kind of things, how are you approaching that? Cause I feel like there is this, this line, right. Of like striving. And that, that was me. Like I, I strived to be the best Christian I could be as opposed to like mm -hmm. becoming something, you know, and like, it was yeah. just, and, and, and able to freely live. I, I spent so much time striving. How do you handle like leading these kids into the place of like serving, but also like being, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. I think transparency, um, honesty, just having lots and lots of conversations, not just from stage, but text conversations or just personal conversations about, Hey, you're going to fail. You're going to struggle. It's okay to have doubts and questions. In fact, we recommend it. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you are, are one of those, like, I don't, have, I don't have any questions. I'm good. I know this and that. And it's like, you know, when you get off to college, you're going to be faced with a lot of stuff. And if you haven't wrestled with it yet, it could be a problem. Yeah. So I think just walking alongside understanding what's hard for some adults is, you know, maybe for their own kids, it's easier, but to see other kids take two steps forward and then one step back, you know, that's gross. That's yeah. not when they take that step back. It's not like, Oh, this person, you know, relapsed or whatever. And they're, they're struggling again. And um, it's like, Hey, they're making progress. You just got to walk with them as they go. No, man, that's good. And I feel like they're, I feel like youth pastors, cause I came from the youth, youth ministry as well. Um, spent a lot of time working with youth and I feel like the older I got, the less, the, the less patience I realized that I actually had. And so that's kind of the moment when I realized it's time for me to step out because I, I had kids of my own. And I think that was a good point that you made. Like it's easier to raise your kids and have grace yeah. for them, but it's not so easy to have grace for kids that we really have no idea what they're going through, man, like at home, yeah. you know, and I feel like, how, how old are you? 35. 35 years old. Okay. We're, I'm, I'm 39. We're about the same age. So I feel like our generation didn't get fathered very well, like spiritually fathered. Mm -hmm. And I, you, you may disagree with that, but I think for me, I feel like it skipped a generation. Like our 
our fathers, and I mean like the generation above us, didn't do a great job of like lifting us up, you know, and sending us spiritually. Yeah. Do you feel like that's changing? Is that is that something? Do you feel like there's some orphans walking around in that younger generation right now, or do you feel like they're being fathered better? I almost feel like it's um, maybe both extremes are happening now where I feel like, and there's been studies done about this, how the, the, the on fire, uh, live out your faith, evangelistic Christians, that number is not declining. Some, in some places it's rising. So I feel like the, the kids that are passionate about reaching people and they're going after it and serving, um, there's still that. Yeah. Oh, what happened there? Something was weird on my computer. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, they, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of those kids, and then I do see a lot of the the kids who have just no clue, and yeah. maybe they don't have much much at home, or even if they do, they're just so much into like their own bubble, their own world that you know they couldn't tell you, you know, what's the first book of the Bible. They they wouldn't ha- have any idea. So yeah. it's almost like you get a you get a mix, a blend of these kids, the on fire to the have no idea group, and you're trying to work through all that. But yeah, yeah I think our generation looking back and it's, you know, so hard because you wonder, is that really how it is today? Or was it, you know, just you looking back, but I, I feel like it was a, the nineties or early two thousands. There was a lot of just how church was yeah, just very, very legalistic and yep. still well-meaning and good people, but like church is this way. And, you know, we do things this way and it's just more about uh, behavior than transform lives. Yeah. We, I remember when I was, when I was heavily involved with youth ministry, we always had this and I'm still good friends with like the head youth pastor that I was working with. And we have these conversations a lot about how we really separated the youth from the rest of the family. You know, we had like our own youth services. We had our own, almost like the youth couldn't quite grasp the kingdom. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't grasp like the big church message, which is what we always called big church and youth church. And I feel like the Lord at least is bringing us back into a place of family where it's like, we're going to do this together, you know, and it's going to take the whole family for this thing to work. Do you, Mm -hmm. is that something that you experience at all as far as like separating, you know, the youth from the parents or how, how, how do you, in your heart, what's your, What's your passion for that? Is is it important for these for these youth to like worship with their family and experience that stuff together? Yeah, it's really important. Uh, you know, there's some churches that can do a really good job when they separate, but I feel like they should, you know, combine as much as possible. Yeah, because um, that also it's not just the youth that you know grows up with that attitude, but it's also the older uh, generation to where like you know, the, the, the youth are the church of today, not just tomorrow. So we yeah. got to teach them and raise them up and um, be unified as one body. And um, this may be a little off topic, but I, we started this thing in our community called Unite Seville. And we, we invite all the youth groups, you know, maybe, you know, four or five times a year, we're about to do a conference. And it's just like, we, we want kids to grow up with this idea of we are the church. We're also one. We're not competing with, Oh, what church, you know, do yeah, I go to good. like church, capital C church, um, which I think is what, you know, scripture was intending 
for us. Um, but yeah, it's important to feel like they're involved and they're not, you know, a separate, uh, completely separate group of people. Yeah, that's good, man. I want to talk about your book, Searching for Seven. But I first, whenever I have a new guest on that I haven't really met before, I like to send out some homework. And I sent you a question was ways that you feel like you release the kingdom. That's kind of the heart of this podcast. And you sent me a, a few responses back and I want to, I want to hit on a couple of them. The first one that really intrigued me was uh, ways that you release the kingdom. You believe is treating God's word like it's actually alive is a way that you release the kingdom. Can you expound on that for me? I like that. Yeah. I know it, a large portion of my life, I, I struggled with this. And so I feel like um, even the, the strongest Christians probably at some point struggle with, you know, treating God's word like it is actually living. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, it was written a couple thousand years ago and um, a lot of life back then was completely different. So you're going to have all these conversations about, is it outdated? Does it matter? Were these, you know, I hear these uh, uneducated, nearly illiterate people writing this stuff down. You can't trust it. Right. But the more you, the more you study it, the more that God's word is on your heart and mind, you know, as it says, meditate on it day and night, you start to see it come to life. Um, I have a few examples, of, which I share in the book about stories or even a couple of verses that I had heard a thousand times. But in those moments, what I was going through, it was like a bolt of lightning flashing through me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've I've heard this before, but never like this. Yeah, those for, for me were moments of. It is actually a living word, like it says. And uh, another example I share, um, you know, getting to do the sports media stuff and also in a Christian uh, concert promotions company years ago. So I've, I've met a lot of celebrities or athletes or singers. Um, but the analogy I give is that it would still, even though they know of me and, and some of them would know my name, it would be a lie for me to say that I really know this person. It would be like saying, you know, I, I've been in the same locker room as LeBron James many right. times. So we're, we're tight. You know, yeah. he knows me and, and that's just not true. And to me, it's similar to the people who are like, you know, I've, I'm tight with God because I've been in the church building many times. It's the same kind of concept. And I feel like to really know him and not just know of him, uh, you got to understand the Bible is a living word and I've got to dig yeah. into it. I can't just rely on what other people tell me about it, even though that's important too. Um, I think it's Tozer who said that if your entire faith is counting on or only relying on a, a pastor's preaching to you, then you're a long way from where you need to be. Yeah. And so all that just kind of comes together for me that if we're going to release the kingdom, then we need to understand this is a living word. It's alive. It can change, change me. And every time I, I dig into it, there's something new I can learn and, and life I can give to somebody else. That's good. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot of folks that, um, and I've, I mean, I've been there, bro, where it's you, you read the word and you're reading it like it's a history book, right? As opposed to this is the, a living, breathing King that rose from the grave. Right. And I think yeah. where we grow the most as Christians is through relationships, like real relationships with people. And like, like you, for instance, if I was a friend of yours and you said that you were tight with LeBron, I'd probably press you on that, right? Mm -hmm. I'd probably like, 
oh yeah, how so? Like what's, what's some things that you've, you know what I mean? And if I think if we don't have those people in our lives that are pressing us like spiritually, like, oh yeah, how so, how, how do you feel like you're growing with the Lord? You know, that's so yeah. important, man. And I feel like I missed out on that during my youth a lot. I didn't yeah. have like people walking alongside me and like pressing into my relationship with the Lord. They just took my word for it, you know? Yeah. And there's something about applying what, because the, the other note you said was being not just hearers of the word, but doers also. Mm-hmm. When you apply this stuff, that's where you see the fruit, right? Yeah. And that's so important. The, there's that, there's another chapter in there called people just understanding, you know, don't take for granted the people who are in your life. Like so often we do with, you know, if someone's on a stage at a conference, we're just like, Oh, that word was amazing. Yeah. And it's like, it's the same thing. The pastor has been teaching you for three years at your own place. You know, yeah. we just, we, we take for granted the people in our lives. Same time. Uh, we need to be those people for others. And actually I've been trying to get my youth to understand this. You got to be someone who initiates some spiritual conversation sometime. You know, like if we go to, if we say we have a Bible study and say we go to a coffee shop, if I were just to sit there 99 times out of a hundred, the people, this is students or adults, they would just sit and talk about other things. They would, nobody besides like the pastor would bring up yeah. something faith related. But for me, I've grown the most of my life. Like when I went to college, it wasn't, I mean, I love the professors and the classes at my Bible college that I went to, but it was the late night dorm talks. Yes. The talks about theology, the, what are you going through and, you know, sharing scripture. And those are things that made me grow the most. So we've got to be those kind of people for others. Transparency, right? You said that earlier too, of yeah. like not walking around, like we know everything, <laughs> like actually yeah. being okay with me. I didn't understand that at all. Like what, what's right. your, what's your thoughts on that? I think youth could learn a lot from that, man. And I've been out of the game for a while with youth. So I don't want to sound like I'm pessimistic at all, but like, I just, I know that it's difficult for young people. And I know that like social media is like everything, you know? Yeah. And yeah, you, you said something earlier about, you know, go to a conference and you hear something. And I, I know that's how it is in youth ministry too, bro. You go to these youth oh, conferences yeah. and oh my gosh, what an amazing time of worship or what an amazing yeah. word that was. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I said that last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I recently had the reverse example of that where I was a guest speaker at a camp last summer. And sure enough, so one of my students was there as a counselor, and she had a student come up to her and say, you actually know the speaker? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, same thing. You know, I come, yeah. oh, there's there's Tyler again with another message. We've heard him before. Yeah. But I go somewhere else and I have a stage and a, and a microphone. It's like, oh my gosh, what a great word. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's pretty sad that it does take that, right? I mean, that's, I think that's probably another, <laughs> I'm so negative with youth ministry. I apologize. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I think that's probably a struggle for so many youth ministers too, is that that competitive thing. Right. I mean, like this guy has the stage, this guy has a platform. How do I get there? Yeah. There's something about being grounded, man. And just trusting God in the, in this process, you know? Yeah, for sure. One of the other things that you said, ways that you release the kingdom was choosing the right battles. Can you talk about that? What was your heart behind that answer? Yeah, I, I feel like, and I don't want to generalize all Christians when I say it because not everybody is this way, but so many Christians that I see today 
are so, so bad at picking the right battles to face. You know, for me, I, I want to get fired up over um, the water crisis or sex trafficking or, you know, injustice that's going around. I want to be passionate about those things. Or when it comes to beliefs, I want to be fired up about did Jesus rise from the dead as opposed to these other, yeah. you know, minor details that are not salvation issues. And an example would be like, who cares if well, Starbucks won't say Merry Christmas, let's boycott. Right. You know, who cares? Yeah. That's so far from, I mean, they're a non-Christian business. Why do you expect them to do Christian things? Yeah. But we fight over those things and it's crazy. But I feel like if I, each day that I live, if I face that day with, you know, God, what do you want me to do? Who can I love today? As opposed to, well, let's get my opinion out there. You know, um, I think Andy Stanley said this recently about most most fights that arise in churches are when people think about their view over a person. Yeah, that's good. And obviously politics and, you know, oh, Jesus definitely would have been this party or this party. No, I, I yeah. don't think so. But right. uh, it's really just what are the things worth having conversations and debates over? And can you do it in a loving way? I mean, there's, I have no problem with you standing up for your beliefs and your convictions. Um, there's times when I do that for sure, but can you do it in a loving way? Can you show people Christ and not your opinion? Um, and I, and honestly probably make a lot of people mad when I say this, but even when it comes to like the country, like I'm, I'm extremely proud to be an American. I'm so thankful for the men and women that have fought at the same time. I see some people who seem like they care more about their country than their faith. Yeah. It's like, you know, where's your priority? You know, I, I'm a Christian. That's my whole identity. And yeah, I am an American. I just want, I want to love Americans. I want to um, spread light and love to this country and not uh, division, but it's good. I just, I don't know. It's just so much of the book is just this, this mindset. If I'm really searching for God and I'm, I know which battles are worth facing, then that's going to help me uh, be under control and uh, reach people, I guess. And, and not just, on the side of here's my opinion. And then everybody hates you for it. <laughs> I think that's good. I think that's, I mean, that's, there's a sense of freedom in being able to choose your battles. Right. I think a lot of times I know for me growing up, that's how I showcased my Christianity was what I got ticked off about. You know, what, what I rose up yeah. against is how I showcased instead of what Jesus actually, they will know you by your love. Yeah. You know, they'll know you're Christians by yeah. your love. It's like, I feel like the world has seen the angry church. You know, I think they get it. I think they understand that we get ticked off about abortion and we get ticked off about homosexuality and we get ticked off about all of these things. And I, I know for me personally, the Lord's really been calling me back to a place of let's, let's actually show them what this is all about. Not just what yeah. we can, cause there's something about, you're right. Patriotism sometimes gets put over kingdom and it's, it's yeah. back, it's backwards for sure. So talk to me about this book, man, about what, what was the heart behind, like the, the full heart behind uh, Searching for Seven? What is that? What's the title? What's the title about? So seven is kind of a double meaning um, in scripture. Seven is basically the number that represents God, uh, means completeness and perfection. So in a way, I'm searching for him, but also I'm um, searching for my own faith seven days a week. So that's where the number comes in. 
I had started writing a long time before um, deciding on a title, but I, I realized that most of what I was saying was coming back to the same idea of not being a Sunday only Christian and understanding that, hey, even when I play basketball, God is there and I need to be aware of that. Or if I'm with friends or I'm at work or, you know, I realized when I, I went on all these amazing trips, whether it was a mission trip or vacation and just seeing God's creation, it's awesome. Then I would come home and I would see a sunset and I'd be like, you know what, this is holy ground too. You know, God yeah. is here. And um, just that whole mindset and it's a quick read with short chapters. That's the kind of book I like to read. So I tried to write it in that way. You like that? Yes. Very um, much. Kind of a Bob Goff style uh, is what I was going for. And yeah. Uh, there's 19 chapters, but they're all short. And I feel like it's almost like a, an album, like a CD where every song is different, but it's all still cohesive. Yeah. Um, so that's also what I was going for. Now you're, a, you're a musician too, right? Speaking of music. A little bit. I, I tell people I play the microphone. I sing some, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I just kind of picking up the guitar, but I've, I have that music page that I have online is from across many years of whether it was a garage band on the, on the Mac or a couple studio songs here and there, but it's more of a, more of a fun thing to do. Yeah. And I think I heard you say earlier, again, this just adds to our, uh, cohesiveness. I think, did you mention concert promotions? Yeah. Too? I did concert yep. promotions for a couple years, man. What, um, what was some, what's, what, what's a big story that came out of that? Cause it's, we, I know how that works. What's a, what's, what's a good story you could tell us about your time in concert promotions? So my favorite band is Switchfoot and, uh, got to be on their uh, tour bus a couple of times, right when, before an album came out. So they, they let me listen to it before that was just a wow moment. Also seeing one reason I love them is because of uh, John Foreman and his, he's humble and serving at, you know, we, there was an arena show. It was Reliant K and Switchfoot. They were at an arena in Springfield, Illinois. He came in at like nine in the morning and asking, he was asking people if he could get anything for them. And I was like, there's a stadium of 5,000 wow. that's going to be here for you. And yet here you are at nine in the morning telling, you know, asking people what, what you can do for them. So that was a cool moment. I remember one time too, we had uh, newsboys back when Peter Furler was the lead singer. Back when they and were newsboys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was told don't let anybody in this door after the show, even if they have a pass. So this lady was trying to get through and I was like, no, no, you can't. She's like, I'm Peter's wife. I was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Sure you (laughs) are. Prove it. (laughs) So yeah, I told, uh, told the newsboys lead singer's wife, you cannot go see him. You have to go away. How many, uh, how many shows were you involved in? Oh, it was probably 15 to 20 overall. Yeah. Um, mainly, mainly college years, but overall, we had one, go ahead. We had one mini tour, different bands, but three shows and three nights. And the, my friend that was kind of running most of the company couldn't really drive in the middle of the night. So I was stuck doing it. And I always talked to him about like, Hey, remember that weekend where yeah. <laughs> you slept in the car and I drove all over the map, but looking back now, great memories. <laughs> I was going to say overall good or bad overall. It was good. I mean, I'm, I'm just so into music and concerts that yeah. even the, the struggles that came with it, or maybe you, you know, find some things out behind the scenes that you don't like so much. I'm still just so much, there's more good than bad, I think. And there's, yeah. there's still 
like it's still music and it's still one of the main things that God speaks to me through. So yeah, I look, look very fondly at those memories. Yeah. And it makes sense that you're in youth ministry too, because you have to, right? You got, you've got to go to the Christian concerts with the kids, right? Yeah. Winter jam. And that's right. Uh, back when there was Cornerstone and <laughs> Ixu Festival. Dude, I forgot you're from around. I went to Cornerstone four years. I'm Did in, you? I'm in Kansas and I drove 14 to 15 hours those yeah. were 99 to 2001 and then I took yep. my took my family and my kids to uh 2007 and that was, I was probably at that one dude so we were probably both both there in 07 that was one of the greatest events that that festival was absolutely amazing I'm, I'm actually yeah. showing my girls now like the <clears throat> I've got two younger daughters that didn't get to go to them but uh, I'm showing them the documentary and stuff, the 25 year yeah. thing on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's so good. Well, man, let's, um, what's, what's the best way for people to get a hold of this book searching for seven? How would you prefer people? I'm going to have it a link in the show notes, but what's okay. the, what's the best way that you would want people to grab that book? I think the book's website, because it shows you a few options. So, uh, searching for com which will have, you know, the Amazon and Barnes and Noble links. Um, you can obviously search on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, there's pretty soon there will be a ebook version. And there's also a way if, if your small group or somebody in the church or a group of friends wants to go through, there's also a discount bulk order of 10 or more. If you go to claybridgesbulk.com. Um, but yeah, that's books website's probably the easiest way. What? Last question, what do you feel like is the the main thing that you want readers to get out of this book or this experience? What what's the goal that you're shooting for? I think to to join me on this journey of seeking God 7 days a week. I feel like if there's there's more and I'm I'm far from perfect. I'm not the hero of the story by any means. It's more of Hey, let's, I'm on this journey and I want to try to look for God. And I feel like too many people want God to show up or they want him to be real. Yeah. They say, you know, God, God, where are you? But those same people do nothing to seek him. And it's like, we have to understand, does God pursue us? Absolutely. But like any relationship, it's got to be a two-way street at some point. I can't just be like, I think Ravi Zacharias, uh, yeah. the late Ravi said that, uh, you know, we've, we've left God in certain places. And then when things happen, we wonder where he is, but we've put him there. So we've got to be on a search. We got to seek after him. And I've, I've made these, you know, short chapters with a chance to, um, try to understand the different possibilities and ways that you can do it. But it would be an honor for me, uh, for someone to read it and to feel like, like, yeah, on a, Tuesday afternoon, where's God? I'm looking for him. Yeah. I'm going to try to search, you know, search for him and also help me as I uh, reach others um, with that awareness. I think there's, I think there's real power in the pursuit, man. I think scripture, you know, if we're going to base stuff on scripture, I think there's, it's pretty clear, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God yeah. and all these things will be added. Seek and you will find, right? There's definitely places where Jesus is calling us to, a a journey, if you will, or an yeah. adventure with him of seeking. So I think you're onto something, bro. And when, when did this book come out? Came out June 2nd. Okay. Awesome. Well, man, I hope we can, uh, I hope we can 
strike that flame a little bit for you and uh, appreciate you coming on. And I, can I, can I pray for you on the way out? Is that Absolutely. cool? Sure. Father God, I thank you for Tyler and I thank you for his heart for the pursuit. I thank you, Father, that you've, you've brought him into this place of uh, seeking you, not just once, not just twice, but every single day of his life, believing that there's a new adventure behind that search. And I also thank you, Father, that he has a, a passion and a desire to lead other people into that same journey, that he's not just satisfied doing this on his own, but he wants to see the whole body of Christ rise up and, and come into this this attitude of seeking with you. And so I thank you for that. I pray blessing over him. I pray blessing over his family, over his book, over all the the endeavors that he's going after, Father. We pray for sports to come back so he can write. We thank you for that, Lord. And we just, again, I just pray blessing over the things that he is giving his heart to. And we ask your, your blessing over that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tyler, thank you, sir. It was nice to meet you, man. And I appreciate you thank coming you. on and uh, thank you for sharing your heart with us today. I appreciate it. All right, man. Be blessed, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Okay. Hey.